Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Hello, New Covenant family. It is my distinct privilege and singular honor to welcome today our founders, Pastor Hyacinth and Bishop Granham. Welcome to you both this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. So today we've gathered to talk about our Ebenezer and to look from whence God has brought us to this very time as we celebrate our founders. And the celebration of our founders is not just a day. It is always, but this day is set aside the first Sunday in November for this express purpose. And so let's begin to talk about the journey, Bishop and Pastor Hyacinth. Tell us about the vision that birthed New Covenant before there was even a building with the name New Covenant Church of Philadelphia on it. Um, Pastor Hyacinth, would you like to begin? Sure, thank you, Pastor Bob. We appreciate this privilege. Well, it was 38 years ago when the Lord directed us at a particular time we were having a very special vacation as such. We thought it would be a vacation only to California. Mm. That was a, a singular honor for us. And we were physically, mentally, and emotionally just tired. We were hosted by a very special saint. Arrangements were made. We weren't in a hotel. I know that seems strange <laughs> in this day and age, but you were hosted in someone's home. And she was blind. A, sing, a spinster, as they called her in those days, a really godly woman. And she had an immaculate house. So you know what, you know, I passed the highest. So there's no excuse for any untidiness. But anyway, we had a lovely room. And I think it was about the third day we were there. We had an amazing experience. I can't tell you even today if it was a dream, a vision, or what, but we were both... We were both had the same vision at the same time. And when we woke up, we, I started to touch him and he was touching me. He said, honey, I had the most amazing experience. And I was saying, well, the same thing. Well, you go first, you go first. And as it turned out, we had the same experience where the Lord appeared to us and said, I want you, I want him, Milton, to resign as pastor of High Street Church of God, where he had been pastoring for 14 years, resign. And I want you to begin pastoring a church called New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. And this time, I want Hyacinth to co-pastor with you. That's what the Lord told him. And what the Lord said to me is, I want you to be co-pastor with him. Well, I had been a traditional pastor's wife, and I was, you know, quite content with that role. He said, no, I want you to co-pastor together. So it was such a strange phenomenon. We talked to each other about it, and we said, but that's strange because, and please forgive us people out there, ignorance could make you think and say things. We thought that people who started churches were flakes. 
Mm. How could anybody start a church? Because my husband had come up in the Roman Catholic Church. I came up in the United Methodist Church. And all the churches we knew were there forever. The idea of someone starting a church had never occurred to us. And it always seemed kind of shaky. But we knew that we weren't flakes. Mm. And the Lord, in answer to our question, said, In a forest, trees die. And trees must be replanted. They must be replanted. So, okay, in that case, so you're planting new trees, and I want you to start this church. This mm. is the Lord's doing. So we said, okay, Lord. And we said yes to him because we had been accustomed to saying yes. Mm. We were on a visit to my aunt. I had an aunt who was living in West Covina. and We were in L.A. And so we were on the bus, and we said, Lord, if this is your church, what shall we call it? We had prayed and prayed, and then the Lord gave the name New Covenant Church to him. My husband said New Covenant Church. So, okay, thank you, Lord. Now we have a name. It was when we came back to Philadelphia, and we tried to get it incorporated, we found out there were other New Covenant Churches. And so we said, well, why don't we stay in New Covenant Church of Philadelphia? And that's how the Philadelphia Peace came. Mm. But God gave us a name. He gave us a mandate. He said, I am doing this. This is not of you. This is of me. But it's a, a, another part of that vision where the Lord made it very clear that we should not ask anyone That's from right. High Street to join us. Mm -hmm. mm. And very clear. So I knew that. I knew, I knew that. Mm -hmm. But then after I came, we came back, we thought, at least you need a musician. And there were good musicians at high school. Excellent. Excellent musicians. And so I have to ask the musician to follow us. <laughs> and then I thought, a Christian education person, mm -hmm. because with the ministry to children, you need a Christian education yes. person. Mm -hmm. So I approached two individuals, one who was an excellent musician, mm -hmm who High Street would not have missed because there were so many musicians there. Mm. Her name was Betty McCullough. Mm -hmm. And then I asked um, Gibbons Rome, Gibbons Rome, mm -hmm. um, who's in charge of Christian, who had been in charge of Christian education, um, if he would consider following us because um, we would need someone in charge of children's ministries and the like. And it's interesting that both of them said they would get back to me. Mm. Pray about it and get back to me. And both of them came back to me and said, they don't feel the Lord is releasing them. Mm. So Betty McCullough didn't come because she didn't feel the Lord is releasing her. And Gibbons Rowan didn't come because he didn't feel the Lord was releasing him. Mm. And I thought, and I have thought over the years, it is interesting that the Lord had told us, made it clear, don't ask, ask anyone. anyone. Right. Don't ask anyone. And the two persons I felt we needed to ask said no. no. <laughs> so that the, the day we left, we, we had no idea who would leave with us. We had not asked anyone else. No. We had not approached anyone else about the possibility of leaving with us to start New Covenant. Um, we just felt we will announce our leaving you indicate what we believe God has called us to do and um, and where the address was where we'll have to start the first service. Am I right? Man the Bible Institute. Man the Bible Institute. Mm. That's it. That's it. 
May I? Go, go, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. I just want to interject something. Even though we had been given the mandate not to ask anyone, because we were in the habit of consulting elders, right. we did that in LA, and Dr. Ernie Wilson and his wife were the ones who we contacted, and they said, he, he prayed with us, and he said, if this is of God, it will stand, mm. because God always honors his work to perform it, and if God has led you, we will know. Mm. And if he hasn't, we will also know. So that was thing number one. Thing number two, we were great friends and, you know, um, so social partners, you know, partners with the, with the um, Fentons, mm -hmm. who were the godparents of our youngest ones, Andrew and Sam. And so we called them. We said, we have something very important to share with you. And as they were leaving New Jersey to come over to Philadelphia, Apostle Eve said, she, Dr. Eve, she was saying, I know they're going to say they're moving. I know they're going to say they're moving. He said, no, 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 it's not that. And when they were on the boulevard, just around where the old Sears used to be, I think mm -hmm. there's a Mary Mark or some, some other store. He said, I know exactly what they're going to say, but I want them to say it. And when we got together, the four of us, he said, and we told them what the Lord was saying. He said, the Lord released me. He said, as we were coming, he said, this is what I'm going to say. They are to leave High Street, start New Covenant Church, and I am to disengage the ministries I'm in so that we can help them start that work. And why? Because they had the anointing of apostleship. They had successfully started several churches in the Caribbean and the Virgin Islands, which mm. are still standing today. Mm. And the Lord wanted them to join forces with us. That was an important piece. Yes. And then later on, the walkers who were also in ministry with us at High Street, came alongside. So there were three couples, and that was a very strong uh, team. Three couples, and people used to call them the Big Mac. <laughs> the Mac Milton, attack. Abraham and Clarence, because <laughs> they had never seen three black men, preachers, working together so harmoniously, mm. who were not related by blood. Mm. So that is one of the, um, I would say the, particular um, highlights that mark the, the DNA of our church. Right. Interesting threads being woven right. together. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing to see the grace of God in the story, how he didn't allow you to stumble. Mm -hmm. He said, don't That's right. ask anyone. The people you asked, he wouldn't let them come. That's right. See? So that That's he right. kept you from stumbling in the beginning. Exactly. But a, a follow-up question. All you had was a vision. God said, no one. It's almost like he told the disciples, the 70, go out, don't take a purse, That's don't right. take a script, don't take any money, and wherever you go, mm -hmm. let your peace yes. go to them. And so how, what was it like having the assurance of the word of God, having a clear vi vision, but no tangible resources. How, if you were speaking to young people, Bishop and Pastor Hyacinth, who has a calling on their heart, but they're afraid because they're, they're in a world that is full of stimulus right. and visual and something concrete. How did you manage through that? What, what level of faith did you summon in order to get through that period? Thank you, that's an interesting question. Not, not too long before, a few years before, Bishop had finished his doctorate of education from Temple. And we had decided 
that we were going to save for a house. And we actually did, you know, well, it isn't just our savings to tell you the truth. We were in a business. I don't feel at liberty necessary to mention the name of the business, but um, it taught us some important principles. And we hmm. always said we were in that business for three years, during which time the Lord was preparing us for this transition into full-time ministry because they taught us some principles which we've applied ever since. And anyway, we were disciplined to have some savings which we put into the business because they said, if you want your business to prosper, and this may be a word for anyone out there who starts a business and expects, the business, expects that the business would give them increase immediately. You know, you have to sow first and it right. takes time. And so we decided we weren't going to... Um, we, we, Bishop said, I know how long it takes to get a good pastor. I will give the church six months notice. But this climate became a bit uncomfortable. So after three months, from August to November, we felt the Lord say, leave now. Mm. So after three months, they found an interim pastor. And so we could leave because Bishop had a, well, he wasn't Bishop at that time yet, but he had an enormous sense of responsibility for this church that we had had, that he had pastored for 14 years. And so that is what happened. And so we said, okay, Lord, this is what we have in our savings. We're going to take this money, and you might remember that. We went to the bank, took everything out of mm. so-called savings, and we put it in an account called New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. And we said, from this time, it will be what? Swim or sink. <laughs> Swim or sink. And later on, we found out that people would say, sink or swim. Right. But, you know, you try to swim first before <laughs> sinking. You can't start with a sinking mentality. <laughs> then you have if you sink, about swimming. there's no need to swim. Thank you. <laughs> but we said that to each other. We held hands and we said, okay, Lord, it's swim or sink. You will, we will prove you to be a God of your word. And he's done that ever since. That is a very clear metaphor yes. for pouring your life into the, into the ministry. We're living in a time where, as a nation, we put livelihood a bit above life. Yes. Mm. We're more focused on the economy than the lives of people who are expendable. Mm. So hearing that kind of faith in a time like this is so encouraging. Mm -hmm. And I would to God that more people, God would stir more people in this generation to have those kinds of values because that's what builds lasting communities. Um, second question. Tell us about the early days in the life of this ministry. And we brought a symbol right. of the early days <laughs> because it didn't begin in this beautiful edifice. No. Uh, it started in much humble more humble circumstances. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the early began days. At um, Manor Bible Institute. Mm -hmm. um, and there was no heat. Yes. There was no heat. <laughs> so we had to find um, a heater. You actually two. Yeah, actually two. Mm. This was one of the ones. And we still have a picture of Deacon Lockett, Moses Lockett, um, bringing, bringing in the heater. Yes. Because we were already there in the building and there was no heat. And we were all excited when we saw him coming in 
um, I'm putting the heater there because it's, it, 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 it would enhance the worship experience. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. right. But it, it taught us how to start when you have almost nothing. Yes. And that's, that's the principle. And there are other phases in our lives that you will come to where we did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Start, if, if you honestly believe that God, God is in this, yes. then you, do, you don't do what you can. You do what it takes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Do what it, it takes. takes. You and you always said that. And we have documented over the decades how God has manifested himself. As we did what, we, what it took, mm -hmm. God, it's almost like God was saying, I'm waiting on you to do what it takes before I can show up. <laughs> right. <laughs> because when he shows up, he shows off. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the key is just get him to show up and he'll show, show up. Show yes. Right. Right. Yes. yes. Remember those things. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of adjacent to the early question mm -hmm. or the second question, but I want to do it in the form of a story. So it'll make it easy for you to give um, all of the New Covenant family a picture. Um, there was a, a painter on the streets in France, who, were doing, who was doing a caricature of a person. And uh, at that time, it's the place where starving artists go. Mm -hmm. Did the painting, it took about 40 minutes. And in those days, $75 was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Charged them $75. Person was outraged. This only took you 40 minutes. And he looked at him with very calm and said, no. This took my whole life. Yes. And when someone creates a masterpiece, it, does, it doesn't happen when it's drawn on the canvas. Mm -hmm. You were prepared for that moment. Mm -hmm. So I want to add, put this question to both of you, and I'll begin with Bishop and then Pastor Hyacinth. Mm -hmm. What were the things that God had wrought in your life before the vision that prepared you to have the faith to step out with nothing. And this is important for a generation who needs something in order to do something. Mm. The two of you did something with nothing except a word from God. I became conscious mm. of the preparation when I was 11 mm. years old. And I lived in a community um, and I did show you the old church that was there. Yes. And the boys and I would throw rocks into the building <laughs> to watch the bats fly out of it. You know? And then this couple from the States came and broke it down and built another building. And they had, the, for the first time in the country, something called Vacation Bible School. Mm -hmm. Vacation Bible School for children. And... Um, I did not know anything about it, but what they did strategically is that they gathered a few children and then they organized them a, a kind of a, a, a band. You know, they had music and they had balloons and they traveled down the street. So you heard that you heard them. And I remember hearing hearing this music um, and I rushed out to the street to see what it was all about. And I noticed these children in a procession going up the street. And naturally, 
I'm 11 years old. I want to know what this is all about. So mm. I, I just joined to see where it's going. And then they turned around and came back the other way and came to the new church and they walked right in. They, the ones who left walked in and the ones who joined without knowing what it's all about, also walked in. <laughs> Which group were you in? I was in the one who, who didn't know kind of clue. <laughs> didn't have a clue, didn't have a clue. But, but what they had done is that, and they were the only church in the country to do that, when the pastor renovated, rebuilt, not renovated, rebuilt the, the church, he built a sanctuary and a large number of classrooms. And then at the back, he had a larger room which he called the youth fellowship room or the social room. There was no church like that in the country, in the country. And so when we walked in, they divided us based on our age group. There's a room here for those who are between nine and 12 and I was 11, so that was my room. And there were other rooms for other children. And a relationship was built in those rooms with the teachers. And it was, it was something that, and, and they sang a lot of songs. And it was something that you, you really felt at my age 11, I'm a part of something. Now that being a part of something created some problems for me. <laughs> mm. But it, it gave me a sense of meaning, mm. early meaning. And the, the, the fact that I'm a part of this. And the other thing, the genius, really part of the genius of it, is that the class which represented my age group, all the kids who were ages nine to 12, mm -hmm. the pastor himself was teaching that class. Mm. Mm. And so he built a relationship with all those children in that class. Mm. And um, it, was, it was the greatest thing because I had never, I have never since, seen a church in which the pastor is teaching the Sunday school class ages nine to 12. Usually the pastors are teaching, the pastors are teaching yeah, the adults. Right, you know. right. But his was very strategic. He built a relationship with those children. Then we would take them out for picnics and the like. And they, he was their pastor, mm. he was their pastor. And that relationship lasted for decades until he passed away. Mm. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Leadership. Leadership, yes, yes. So with me, I grew up as a PK. For those who don't know the term, it's pastor's kid. My father had been a Methodist minister and, um, and I'm the eldest of seven. And his father had been a lay preacher. Well, a lay preacher in some denominations was a pastor who just did not have the reverent in front. Right. But my grandfather was not a preacher, but he was a leader in the church. And on both sides of the aisle, they were both musicians and teachers. My father learned to play the organ. He said when he was so young, he couldn't reach the pedals. His father put him on his knee and taught him to play the organ. And they all had pianos in their homes. So I grew up in a musical atmosphere. And going to church was a pleasurable experience. Being um, a pastor's kid in those days meant in, in the Methodist church. In fact, I think in just about all the denominations that I knew about, which included the Scots church, congregation churches, and 
other denominations. We're in Guyana, by the way. We hail from Guyana, South America. Um, we live next door to the church. So on Saturday, they would clean the church. Saturdays, they'd clean the church. And we as kids would run over there, you know, maybe mm. have the cleaning ladies for a minute or two and so on. And just be around that atmosphere. We mm. loved being in church. Mm-hmm. So that might seem a little strange to people like, why would you want to be in the church? It was kind of fun mm. to us. My mm. sister Daphne and I, she's just about, you know, a little bit younger than I am. And I remember, you know, we were taught the word from mm. an early age. Every day we had family devotions. Every night we had morning prayers and evening prayers. And I said, you know, the prayers that I could share with parents that just teach your little ones, you know, like now I lay me down to sleep. Right. And then now I wake and see the light mm. in the morning prayer. You know, you say the prayer at night, but what about the morning prayer? So that was done at an early age. So we were, I was used to doing that. When I was 13 years old, I gave my life to the Lord. Mm. And I realized there's a difference between being a good little church girl and getting, you know, being saved. Mm. That was very carefully explained to me by a cousin auntie who had, she and her husband lived in, was it Rwanda? And, and they, they, mm-hmm. they served there as missionaries. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and she said, no, you have to be saved. You must be born again. Then when I was 17 years old, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that raised my commitment to God at a whole new level. Mm. So I had gotten in the habit of saying yes to God. Mm. And when you're in the habit of saying yes, you know, then you, you learn to say yes, even though it might be somewhat um, scary. Right, right. <laughs> or adventurous. But you say, I can trust this God mm. because he's never failed. And I mm. think that is the message we both had. Yes. Even with who we should marry. Right. You know, when my husband, he was in college in Trinidad, when the Lord said, go back home. And he didn't want to go back. When we were growing up, Trinidad was an exciting place to go. Right. Kind of like going to Vegas if you live in Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, that's what, that was our perception. Yeah, I never thought of Trinidad <laughs> as Vegas. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's you exciting. Know, those days, lights like and an exciting place. And and they, right. had, they had so, things, right. you know, like Trinidadians, you know, no, no hose barred, you know. That was our concept. Right. Could have been, and forgive me all Trinidadian people. <laughs> we have some in our church. <laughs> But, but he, he said, the Lord said, go back home. And when after he said yes, the Lord said, when you go back, I'll show you your wife. And then he came, you know, we met each other on his birthday, actually. The lady with whom he stayed was, um, you know, was a wonderful person. She was um, relationally related to me. By that is, you know, we grew up in a village. So uh, you had your blood relatives and you had your other relatives who were as close to you as blood relatives right. could speak into your life. Right. Auntie, you call him auntie and uncle. But you understand that yes. concept. Yes. We have to explain that to the young generation at another time. Can I just put in a piece? Oh, oh yes, sure. Um, <laughs> while I was in Bible College mm-hmm. in Trinidad, I went there in 1960 and um, did a four-year program mm-hmm. ministry. Um, so I left, I graduated in 64. Right. But in 62, while I was halfway, um, at one of the congregations in Trinidad, I'm asking about coming and serving them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it, was, it was a tremendous experience to have the, the academics on one hand, 
but to have the practical yes. involvement mm. in ministry, in decision making, in yes. working with committees and boards and what have you. Mm -hmm. And a tremendous relationship mm -hmm. developed. I mean, really, really great. Um, I could have seen myself honestly, and they wanted me to continue. They right. knew that um, in two years I'd, be, I'd graduate, right. but they wanted me after graduation to continue because right. the relationship was fantastic. But it was during that time, the Lord made it very, very clear that he wanted me to go home. Mm -hmm. And I honestly didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I honestly did not want to do that because I was enjoying what I was doing. I was working with people who wanted me to be there. I was working with a very growing and cooperative congregation. Mm -hmm. And so when the Lord made it so clear, um, he, he pulled a fast one on me. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. He said, when you go back home, I will show you your wife. I will show you your wife. And um, that, that gave me a new um, interest in going home. Yeah. It wasn't the church. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a clear message that will show you where we, your wife. Go ahead, Lord. God yeah. changed the incentive yes. on you. <laughs> yes. 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 So we met, and my, at that time, my parents were already here. By the time I met him, my father migrated with our entire family minus me because I'm the eldest, not be, just because I'm the eldest, it's because I was born in St. Vincent. I wasn't oh. actually born in Guyana. And for those of you who don't know out there, St. Vincent is a beautiful little vacation place to go to. So that was his first pastorate and they were married already, of course, my parents. And so then they went back to Guyana and that's where we were. So the reason my father came was he was a part of an initiative that the then president Lyndon Johnson had of having communities, churches, and families working together. He said, find people who have experience with working with city officials. Model cities. My father, this was mm. a program called a Model Cities Program. If you Google it, you'll see it's, it's really historically accurate. So my father had been asked to serve in the interim um, government in Guyana when mm. there was a constitutional crisis. And so in addition to his pastoral um, training and experience, he knew how to work with, with government officials and so on. And he was also the chairman of the Ecumenical Council, which was composed of ministers of all different denominations. So growing up, I always knew, and then we were part of Youth for Christ, and this yes. is really important. We didn't even know each other. But all the Christians who are part of Youth for Christ, which is, I would say, 90% of the born-again young people were part of Youth for Christ, we had a real close relationship with each other because you were tested as a Christian. You were mocked, you were ridiculed, and all the rest of it called names. And if you didn't know how to stand up for your faith and defend yourself, you would be a basket case. Mm. So that gave us a strong, um, I guess, a tenacity, there's a scripture that says iron entered into his soul. I think as when iron entered in our, into our souls as teenagers, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we were able to take the jeering and all the rest of it. But anyway, to make a long story short, we, I knew that all of the systems were in place for, for me to join my family who they were here already. They came in August and I think you came, I don't remember 
sometime in 64, you had arrived. Yes, I, I went back. You went back, maybe, well, the school semester would end in June, maybe July, let's see. But this is November on his birthday, so my cousin auntie invited me and I was avoiding her. You know, she said, oh Lord, here she goes again, around 67, trying to hook me up with somebody. I'm not interested <laughs> right now. Mm. But then she said, oh, he's a minister, a pastor. I said, why did she say that? <laughs> I had a list of persons. And actually, my passion with the Lord was of such, and I need to share this. I was willing not to ever get married and to be a deaconess. Now, mm. a deaconess in the Methodist Church at that time, the United Methodist Church, was kind of like a nun. The only mm. difference was deaconesses did not live in convents and right. they were not isolated from communities. We had um, deaconesses. Mm. Yvonne was one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, there was another person in our lives who was a deaconess, and I admired them tremendously. And one of the things that made my admiration so strong was a scripture that I had come across saying, the unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord, how she should please the Lord, while the married woman cares for the things of her husband, how she should please her husband. I said, what? That is an unfair, that's like a fixed fight. You put God against a husband? Oh, no, no, no. That's too scary. <laughs> I pick the Lord any day. <laughs> I mean, it was a no-brainer. Right, right. So I told my dad I wanted to be a deaconess. He said, I, I tell you what, since you don't, let's just put that on hold, you know. <laughs> but I said, no, I'm not going to marry a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and then here he comes, a pastor, asking me to marry him. I said, excuse me, we only met a month and ago. a relative he invited her. Right. You know, we, we, so we go to, he, the place, the person who he's staying with is my cousin auntie. Ah. And she says, oh, you've got to meet this man. He's Hyacinth, he would be perfect for you. You have been perfect for me, darling. See? But, <laughs> but, let me, but I didn't know that at the time. Let me put in a little piece here. <laughs> um, there's a young lady that I was interested in. We were, we were in, in BBS together mm -hmm. at age 11. That's right. We were in all the different classes. And so it, 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 was, it was kind of understood that after I went away to college and come back, that I would marry her. <laughs> so I went away to college. And um, the missionary who came to visit the college, he spent three days there. And each night he would be in the library, you know. And he would see me sitting at a table with a number of young people. And a young lady was right on my left hand. Mm -hmm. He saw that for three different nights. What he didn't realize is that we were most of us were studying and you would uh, take a seat. Right. And if you sat here tonight, you don't want to go and sit there tomorrow night. Right. But there was no relationship as such. So he went back to Ghana and told this young lady um, <laughs> that I have a girlfriend in Trinidad, which really wasn't true. True. Right. It really wasn't true. So she decided she's going to get married to somebody else because he has a girlfriend in Trinidad. A little drama, everybody. A little drama. <laughs> and um, when I was so called back to Ghana to pastor, mm -hmm. nobody had made any arrangements in terms of where I would stay because I couldn't go back home. I was put out of our home because of my faith. Right. So this person that this other young lady married found a place for me to stay. <laughs> <laughs> And that was at a relative of his. Mm -hmm. that was his aunt. Mm. And um, that's how I met her. Mm -hmm. 
So, so wow. the Lord used him in two different ways. Right, right. <laughs> it's amazing how, unbeknownst, God is orchestrating oh, things that's a good word. and putting it together. It's, it's amazing and fascinating listening to the stories. Mm -hmm. It's very clear that you both had foundations. Yes. Mm. Different foundations, mm -hmm. and you both had preparation yes. to get you ready for the moment. Mm. And it's amazing how your, your foundation was family. Your foundation was your pastor. Mm -hmm. But he found and a way, church. and okay, the right. church, church, he found a way to do it and to prepare you to be joined together mm -hmm. for this moment. Yes. And it's interesting, Bishop, hearing you say, it was understood that this was the person. Mm -hmm. It was understood by you, but mm -hmm. God had a different exactly. understanding. Exactly. And so he brings things together that we know not of. The other mm -hmm. thing that fascinated me as we bring may, may this just, segment to a close. Before you yes, bring that before I talk about my fascination. Yeah, because only because I know there are young ladies out there and young men who want to be married to the right person because mm. the divorce rate is just heartbreaking. Mm. Um, one month after we met, this young man proposed to me. And then he told me that God had told him I was to be his wife. I said, thank you, but God hasn't said anything to me. I need to go to God by, for myself, which I did. And over the course of a weekend in which I... Um, prayed and fasted almost the whole time. I said, Lord, I need you to speak to me because I've given my life to you and I wouldn't want to make a mistake of this magnitude because in my mind, marriage was for keeps. Then he gave me the same scripture he gave to Rebecca when Eliezer went looking for a wife for Isaac. And so he said, um, go with the man. And she wanted to go that immediately. And they wanted her to be, she said, no, I will go. So I said, thank you, Lord. So then I spoke to him and I said, now your next step is to write my father, because he was here, and ask for my hand in marriage. Because I was brought up with protocols and you know the right way to do certain things. So he said, I said, well, what did the Lord say? He said, the Lord said, yes said, but what if my, your father says no? I said, if my father says no, it's no. If he says yes, it's yes. Because the Lord knows I wouldn't marry you or any other man without the blessing of my father. He knows mm. how I am. So you need to do that. And of course, he did. And the rest is history. But don't be anxious, young ladies. Mm. And if you do, you, you prepare yourself to be a woman of God. And God has your Isaac for you. And the Lord gave me this revelation just this year. It blew my mind. And Isaac is for the young women who have never been married. Boaz for, is for women who were married before. Wow. So don't be looking for your Boaz and you've never been married. Mm. You're looking for the wrong man. Somebody needed to hear that. Because mm. Mm. everybody wants Boaz because they can glean in the field That's and right. get something. But the, Isaac ooh, is for the one... Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, yes. I got such an anointing. I was yes. feeling oh, Lord, what a yes. revelation. And yes. when Rebecca saw him, he was in the field meditating. Yes. That was his passion. That was what he did. He right. Was a, a person who meditated. When you think of Isaac, the son of Sarah, who went through so much to have that child, you can right. understand that was a precious baby. 
Right. She taught him faith. Right. Like no other. Right. So young ladies, wait for your Isaac and be the Rebecca that he needs to be. And what the Lord showed me was that when you marry that Rebecca, when Rebecca marries Isaac, whatever hurt and healing needs to take place, it will happen during that relationship. I sense in my spirit that someone just got saved from divorce by making the right decision. Mm -hmm. And what I was going to say before is not important compared to what something I just heard as you were talking. When you said, Bishop said, the Lord told you. Yes. And you said, the Lord hasn't told me. Now I know that you have God's ear because fast forward to California and God spoke to both of you at the same time because he knew the desire of your heart. He realized that my hyacinth, my precious flower, I know that it was a problem for you when I spoke to your husband. He wasn't even your husband yet and not to you. So I'm going to speak the same vision to both of you at the same time. That's what I call God giving you the desires of your heart. Another aspect, may I? Thank you. Yes. How long did I know you before I proposed? One month. One month. One month. No grass growing under your feet. (laughs) Because I I was so sure Mm -hmm. when I left Trinidad, that when I went back, the Lord would show me the person. I was so absolutely certain. Yes. And so one month after I got back, um, not, not one month after I went back, after I went back, I met her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one month after having met her, I proposed. Wow. And she said to me, you have to write my father. Mm. And if he says yes, it's yes. Mm-hmm. And if he says no is no, and that that put that in a much much higher scale, of she understood what honor right mm-hmm. meant, mm. what honor meant, honor father and mother. Yes. And from that day till this, that's right. How long has it been? One month to <laughs> how many years? <laughs> The second of September this year was 53, 53 years. years. 53 years. And then we had an engagement. It was actually, and I can tell you exactly, it was um, December of 1964 when you proposed. Yes. Wow. And then we, we, I left in March. I came here on the 8th of March, 1965, and about two weeks before, we had an actual engagement party, my Auntie said, we have to do a little some-some for you before you leave. <laughs> and so, yes. But, um, and, um, and I did say, ooh, before I say yes, before I let you put an engagement ring on my finger, I have to play something up. Oh, yeah. And this is not to hurt anyone out there. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But the thought just literally terrified me. I said, I need to make this clear. If when we are married, you ever put your hand on me, Brother, prepare to see your maker. <laughs> I'm going to put that as a nice way That's to why say I've been it. keeping my hands in my pocket. <laughs> I said, that I, nice, that's not the that tribe the I came before from. before the engagement. I, said, the I cannot <laughs> allow you to put an engagement because that is never going to happen in our home. Mm, Period. Right. We have four sons and one daughter. 
I have then we have we pretty, you know, good children, but you know, from time to time they've got a beating. I said, if anything needs to be done with Jillian, I'll do it. I didn't even want her to have the experience of her father having put a lick on her, and he never has. Wow. Mm. So that's just for the record out there. Just for the record. That <laughs> it seems like a good place to end segment one. <laughs> for the young man, young lady, there is a right way to yes. do it. And it will last. Mm -hmm. What you do for Christ oh, yes. will last. And as Bishop and Pastor Hyacinth have demonstrated, it begins with honor. Mm. They honored God, they honored their parents, and they honor each other. Mm -hmm. And now what you've seen for the last 53 years is what God can do when we are joined together. And I speak a great mystery. Bishop didn't just leave and cleave his parents and be joined to his wife. I speak of the church. Christ and the church and our joining is the same. And that's why we honor marriage, because we yes. honor our relationship with him. It is a model. It is a type of our relationship with him. God bless you. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.